I'm glad I'm an evangelist today. I told you the last time I was here as an evangelist, I get to come in and maybe say a little something or do a little something that the lead pastor may not be able to do because he has to deal with you next week. I don't. But uh, I promise you this, that the word of God today has challenged my heart. I've been chewing and wrestling upon this message actually for about a month now. My wife can contest that uh, it wasn't until about 9 o'clock last night that I actually pinned to paper everything that was on my heart because I was just wrestling with everything that, that I'm feeling in my spirit that is going on in today's society, in today's world. So here it is. Hang on. I'm going to start. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me, and I think they have some of this up there as well, uh, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 15, uh, the scripture verses that everybody is very, very aware of. And I'm going to re be reading verses 1 through 8, and it says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you also you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words uh, abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now after the reading of your word and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to open up our, our spiritual ears that we may hear the exact message that you have for us. You are all powerful and all knowing and you know each and every one of us is in a different place and a different phase of life, so you know what needs to be said to each ear let them be heard. Open our eyes that we may see, the, take the, remove the scales from our eyes spiritually today. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to do this in the glorification of the Father. Amen. The title of the message today is, There's No Life With Death. I know that's a little weird, but there is no life with death. When Pastor Joe asked me to come today and preach to you, God gave me a, an image that is a little comical in a way, but he gave me an image that uh, came to my mind pretty much immediately, and this, this text of there is no life with death came, came instantly. God placed it upon my heart. And the funny thing about this image is this. My, when I mow my grass in my backyard and in my front yard, after I get done mowing my grass, I take an air blower and I begin blowing my grass. Does anybody else do that or is it just me? Apparently it's just me. Well, apparently my neighbors think I'm weird for that too. And they, they, they even look at me and watch me like, okay, you just mowed the grass. Why are you blowing it? Well, I realized many, many years ago that when clumps of dead grass is in a pile upon healthy, good grass, it's only a few days later that that healthy, good grass begins to die. I don't want my grass to die. I've done a lot of hard work to it, so I go with the blower and make sure there is no dead grass. I blow it out, and I get it away from piles so that my, my grass can live. 
And in today's mindset, I, I challenge us to open our ears even right now to understand that we are in a world of chaos, are we not? We are in a world that is so frustrating and so binding and so, so much hatred, so much anger, so much, so much depression in our lives that we tend to get all of this stuff bundled together into this big pile that lays upon our minds and our hearts. And just like that dead grass does, it begins killing what's inside. I ask God, God, what in the world does it mean there is no life with death? Because to my mindset and my reasoning, uh, I realize that, that death is a part of life, but it's not life. Life is life. There is a birth that we all have, and there is a death that we all have. But from point A to point Z, there is life that we are supposed to be having. And that life, according to the living word of Jesus Christ, says that it is to be more abundant. We as Christians in today's society have gotten bogged down and wrapped up with the junk of life in such a mannerism that we no longer see the truth of what Jesus Christ is telling us. I had a friend tell me uh, not too long ago, I don't hear the voice of God. A couple of Sundays ago, I was in service. The worship pastor was preaching or, or singing the first song, and God just laid some stuff on my heart. I looked over at my wife. I'm like, give me a pen and paper. And I start writing all this stuff down, and I was, I, I don't hear God like that. And I, well, this is God. This is the voice of the Almighty, Jesus Christ, right here, and it's alive and well. If you don't hear the voice of God, as, as a, a pastor friend of mine said, then start reading the word of God out loud and you're going to hear the voice of God because this is truth, amen? Do you believe that this is the living word of God? That was a little weak. Because that kind of portrays the act of where we're at today, right, as a society. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, 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 I believe in the word of God, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's true. I, I know all of that stuff happened in the Bible. I get that. What happened to the thing that said, I am a son of God? And there is no power upon this earth that can bind me, that can hurt me, that can hinder me when I fall upon the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ. When I begin proclaiming the truth of this word of God and I begin living out the truth of this word of God, where can my life go? See, in, in John chapter 15, we, we hear the scripture of, of the vine dresser and that we can do nothing upon ourselves and in ourselves. We must be tied in to the living word of God, to Jesus Christ as the vine. And when not, when we're not fruitful, what does that happen? When we're not fruitful, what does that mean? I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's probably been way too long in my own life that I have walked the sinner's prayer with someone. As a pastor, I do a lot of pastoral things. I do a lot of, of uplifting things. I talk to a lot of people. I don't have a lot of sinner friends because I've been in church all my life. And the fruit of the kingdom of God is salvation. The fruit of the kingdom of God is bringing another soul out of darkness into the light. And he needs me, God needs me to be the hands and feet, to go be the voice and to bring those people out of their darkness. But how can I do that sometimes when I'm wrapped up in my own chaos? 
as a young elephant comes to, to be born, they, they wrap a chain around its leg and they stake it down to the ground. You've heard this before, right? That elephant pulls and tugs as a young baby, but it cannot get loose. As that elephant grows and grows and grows, they take the stake out, but they leave the chain on just to realize that that elephant still will not go anywhere because in its mind and its intellect, it's still bound. And I'm looking at our saints and our church and our people of God today, and I believe with all my heart that we have many, many people, including myself, that have been bound by death that have been bound by depression, by anger, by bitterness, by, by worry and stress of what this world's doing and what our government's going to be doing next week and how the gas prices are going up. Can I, can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what the gas prices are going to do because it's going to happen. So why are we worried about it? Even in my own mind and my own intellect, I got really depressed and worried about my, my wife and I's business of real estate back in the springtime because it died. It was gone. And I began worrying. And a pastor friend of mine said, dude, you're a son of God. What are you worried about? God will provide for you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He knows when you need it. And can I look you in the eye if it wasn't so dark and tell you? Without a shadow of a doubt, obviously, I've never missed a meal. I've paid every bill, and I've had abundance left over. Why? Not because of anything I've done, but because I began going back to the word of God and saying, God, I stand upon the truth that you have given to me. I know that your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher than mine. I don't recognize the pathway of what's going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know this. You're already there, and you've already prepared the place. All I must do is walk forth. But it's extremely hard to do. I believe in my heart right now, brother, that that the church is being pruned by God. We are in this pruning process right now as a church, especially in America, but around the world, we are in this pruning process. To think that, that if there is a, a two men in the field, one is going to go and one's going to stay, does that not scare you a little bit? I've actually thought, Lord, I've been serving you all my life. I've been serving God since I was nine months in the womb because my parents were pastors and serving the church. I've been in church all my life. I chewed on the pews. I slept under the pews. I've done it all. But could I be the one that's left? Is it possible that through all the servanthood and through all the acts and all the things that I've accomplished in my life for God, that when the trumpet sounds, I'm the one that's left? Is it possible that my life has been bound with death by so much that I don't even recognize and see what God is and who he is anymore? There's a pruning process, church. Don't be the branch that gets pulled away and thrown into the fire. Don't be that branch. Be the branch that is tuned in and plugged into the vine of Jesus Christ that the fruit of God flourishes in your life in such a manner, in such a way that people are drawn to you to say, what do you have that's different? And you're able to share the good news of Jesus Christ and say, come and taste. Come and taste it. Come and see that God is good. Come to the salvation of Jesus Christ into the kingdom of God. 
come. Don't be pruned and thrown into the fire. Instead, be pruned and flourish. Joyce Myers, I don't listen to a lot of her stuff, but I did find this week, Joyce Myers had a devotional back in 2014, and she said, it's time to get rid of the dead things around us. In this, in this devotional, she shares a story that she hired a, a landscaper to come and to dress up all of her bushes and to clean them up and make them look pretty and, and all those kind of things. And so the, the professional landscaper is out there doing his due diligence, doing his job. She comes out toward the end and she turns to this bush and she's like, you killed my bush. And he just kind of looks at her like, what? And you killed my bush. Look, you took, I mean, this thing was this high and, and this big and you took it down almost to the ground. And the professional looked her in the eye and said, but it was awkward. You had leaves growing this way and you had certain things growing this way and it was just awkward and it began being ugly because of the, the bigness of what it was doing. I promise you, by fall, it would be the most beautiful bush that you have in your landscape. And she's like, no way, you killed it. But yet come fall, that awkward, huge bush began growing perfectly. Why? Because it was pruned, the ugliness was pruned back to allow the goodness to come out and be fruitful. It's a pruning process that we're going through. If you have your Bibles, flip over to John chapter 11. I'm so thankful that they... uh, went so fast in the worship because I've got like an hour. (laughs) Thank you, brother. You know me. I won't take that long. It is time to let go of the dead things in our life. I believe with all my heart that there is a lot of dead things being thrown at us on a day-to-day basis. Unfortunately, John chapter 11 is an exact portrayal of what I believe we are and are doing in the church today. We don't recognize the pruning is being done because we're living just like Mary and Martha in this story. Everybody knows this story. It's the story of the death of Lazarus. Mary and Martha in the first part of the chapter send, send people to Jesus to come and heal, heal Lazarus because he's very, very sick. The news gets to Jesus, he hears it, his heart is touched, and his heart is touched so much that he says, yeah, I'm going to stay here for two more days, right where I'm at. No one understands the ways of God, amen? It's kind of hard to sometimes. After two days, Jesus finally looks at the disciples and he says, all right, boys, let's go. Lazarus is sick. His disciples and their humanism began saying, well, if he's only sick, let him sleep it off. He'll be fine. Well, we got things to do. Come on, we got to go, we got to go uh, get some wine for, for a wedding. We got to go feed 5,000, 7,000 people. We got a lot to do. If he's just sick, let him sleep. Jesus gets a little bit more real, and I believe right now Jesus is getting real with us today, and he's saying, come on, guys. He's not just sick. He's dead. He says it plain. He says it true. He's dead. But we must go because he will live again for the glory of God. 
So they travel to Mary and Martha. They're a little bit further away. You know the story. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but we get to Martha. They hear that Jesus is coming. Mary and Martha's in their, in their home. Uh, the Bible says they've got a lot of the other Jews and friends and family that are around them, consoling them, watching over them. Martha then runs out from her home. Mary decides to stay for some reason. Martha runs to Jesus, and she's like, God, if you were here, if you would have only come when we sought you out to come two days ago, if you would have come, my brother would be living right now. Jesus looks her in the eye and says, but I'm the resurrection and the life. Life is standing right in front of you. Do you not see, Martha? I'm the resurrection and the life. All you need is me. And life comes. But see, Martha represents us as church us Christians that have been Christians for so many years because we start quoting scripture, right? We start getting into the word and we're like, well, well, I know he's going to come back to life. I, the Bible says, I know he's going to come back when the great resurrection happens. Yeah, I get that, God. But if you would have been here two days ago, he'd be alive standing right beside me right now. Is that not what we're doing as a church today? I know the scripture. I know what's planned to happen. I know who wins the battle at the end. I know who's victorious. But right now, I am wrapped in dead clothes because I'm bombarding myself with so much junk in this world. Martha goes back home and she says, Mary, Jesus is, is here. He's coming. Mary goes running. Mary goes running. Remember, this is Mary. This is the one who, who did the oil upon Jesus' feet and anointed him and, and, and dried it with her hair and all these things. And Mary goes running to Jesus Christ, and she runs up to him. And guess what she says? The exact same thing that Martha said. If you had only been here, my brother would have been living. Can you think about that for a moment? Two sisters two different times saying the exact same thing. What does that tell you? There was a lot of conversations going on back in that household that said, if only. If only God would show up. If only God would reveal himself. If only God would come in my timing and when I ask God to come. If only he would do what I ask him to do in the way I think it should be done. If only, if only, if only. And Jesus Christ is standing there, but I'm the resurrection and the life. All I have to do is go, and it all comes good. See, there's a lot of things going on in the homes. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we get caught up in, and we start worrying about our government. I, I, I can't stand watching our government stuff. I can't stand it. Matter of fact, my wife will tell you, I do not watch the news. I cannot stand watching the news. And I'm very, very close to the point of shutting every social media thing off in my life because I just cannot stand everything that is going on and being said. It's part of that pruning process that God think God's trying to do is get your eyes off of the junk and get your eyes back on me. I am the resurrection and the life. I believe he is saying that to us today. New Freedom Church, Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And if you are worried about something that is in your life right now, if it's your finances, if it's your health, if it's your relationships, whatever it is, Jesus Christ is saying to you today in your ear, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Death cannot come. I am life. Come to me. Mary and Jesus then talk a little bit more. She's whole time, if you would have only been here, God. Come on, dude, you should have been here. I called for you two days ago. If you would have come, Jesus finally just looks at her and he looks at everybody around. He says, just, just get me to Lazarus. Just get me there. They said he's over here. He's in the tomb. Verse 35, shortest, shortest verse in the Bible says what? Jesus wept. I have always thought in my lifetime that Jesus wept because of the sorrow he felt out of Mary and Martha. Is it possible that Jesus wept because of the sorrow he felt that he had all these people that supposedly loved him and were worshiping him but did not even recognize who he is? Is it possible that his weeping and his crying was because his broken heart was there because we as a church body are not running to him first, we're running to him last? Is it possible that Jesus Christ weeps for the situation because they don't recognize who he is? And we today sometimes don't recognize who he is and what he can do in our lives. He weeps, then he goes and he says, get the stone away, roll the stone away. I believe with all my heart today that that stone represents the bondage that is blocking us today as a church body, as saints from Jesus Christ. That stone represents something that is keeping us apart. I believe that it's our television shows that are showing so much junk that is against God and uh, against the word of God and truth and life. But yet we as a church are sitting there watching it because we have nothing else to do. I believe it's our social media that is bombarding us with what we're supposed to accept and what we're supposed to like and how we're supposed to love and how we're supposed to do things. And we're so bombarded by this with our minds that we begin getting lackadaisical about what sin really is instead of reading the word of God which is truth that says sin is still sin and we are not to abide by it we are not to do it I'm not supposed to hate my brother that's sinning but I'm supposed to hate the sin and I'm supposed to go to him as a light with his hands and feet and voice to go and share with them what Jesus Christ says about that situation or about that lifestyle or about that choice or about that depression and anger that has bombarded our minds and our hearts so strongly that we can't even live a day of life without going into a pit of despair. That is not what God has called us to do, saints. We are supposed to be living a life through Jesus Christ that is abundant, that is powerful, that is anointed, that is full of grace and mercy. That's what the word of God says. But we as a church body are not living that way. Why? Because there's a stone holding us back. Cry out today for that stone to be removed as Jesus did. He walks up to that tomb Martha comes running, you know, those religious people come running up to him and says, oh, don't, don't waste your time, God. I mean, he's, he's been in the grave for four days. He stinks. By now he's got to stink. He's rotted. It's horrible situation. I don't have no clue how we're going to get out of this and what we're going to do. 
I believe with all my heart, in my own mind, and my own intellect, and if I'm doing it, I'm sure some of us in this room are doing it too. What in the world are we going to do in America? What is our government doing? Why can't they just open the oil pipelines? Why can't they just do this? What is happening? I wish we would do this way. I wish this would, could happen. And we're getting so caught up in this Martha mentality of the what ifs instead of looking at Jesus Christ and says he is life. John 1 and 1 says he is life and all life comes through him and for him. He is life. Quit focusing upon all the junk and the chaos and the death that wraps around us and begin focusing on the one true thing that can change every situation. After a moment, Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come forth. One, that, that would have probably scared me if I was standing there to all of a sudden seeing some mummified guy walking out like this, right? And he's stumbling out and he's got everything wrapped around his head and all the, all the stuff wrapped around his body and he comes forth. Jesus says, let him go, get it off. That's dead things. Those are things that are binding him and holding him. Those are things like depression. Those are things like cancer. Those are things like sickness. Those are things like disease. Those are things like frustrations and bitterness. Those things that are binding us that are death, that are holding us down and holding us still. Remove those things, God says. For I have breathed life and life more abundantly. My breath flows through his lungs. Did you know when you wake up in the morning, it's not because of you, but it's because the breath of God breathed life into your lungs for another day. Did you know that you have a home? You're one of the most privileged people upon the face of the earth right now because you have a home and you have a car that you complain the gas is too high. You have blessings upon blessings, but we get caught up in the death and the wrappings in the death of things that are around us. And I believe today God is crying out to you and he is saying, live. Come forth and live. Get out of the mess. Get your mindset out of the junk. Start pruning things away from your life, asking the Holy Spirit to come in and begin asking him, God, what is it that's holding me back? And if it is a certain thing, then let that certain thing go. To be completely real with you, I've lost my, my mother-in-law five, almost six years ago, and there's still days that we as a family still struggle. There's days that a song comes on or, or an image happens or something's going on in the kids' lives and, and it just begins tearing us up and me up inside knowing that she's not here. And then there's other moments where I feel like she would slap me across the face and say, wake up, son. What are you doing? This is not how you're going to live. You're not going to do this and, and be this way because of me. You're supposed to live life. You're supposed to have fun and enjoy life. You're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to be with your family and friends and encourage them not be depressed all the time. And I believe Jesus Christ is saying that to us today. Come on, wake up. Come out of the grave. Get out of the dead clothes that are wrapped around you. Begin pruning the ugliness of this life and all the things that Hollywood and the government and everything's throwing at us. Get past all of that and step into life. Step into life. They unwrapped Lazarus. They loosed him so that no longer is he shuffling, but he's now walking, he's now breathing, he's now hugging, he's now laughing. I wonder what those 
those friends and families were doing at that very moment, the same friends and family that was in, in the house with Martha and Mary, consoling them, oh, yes, you're right. If, if Jesus would have only been here a couple of days ago, oh, oh but it'll be okay. You're, you're going to endure. It'll be okay. I wonder what they were doing now. After the moment where they got past what ifs and they stepped into life of Jesus Christ and they saw a resurrected dead body come to life, what are they doing now? I challenge you this. Watch who is in your inner circle. Because if there is people in your inner circle that is not lifting you up to the life of Jesus Christ, it may be time to prune it. It may be time to move them from the inner circle to an outer circle, not lose the relationship, but maybe not have them right there. And it may be time to grab someone that may even challenge you a little bit and bring them into the inner circle so that you are held accountable to the, to the life and lift, lift of Jesus Christ. I believe today Jesus is life. Living in Jesus is life more abundant. But I believe we've got a lot of people in our churches and in our lives that have those dead clothes and those dead things wrapped around us and we can barely move because we've allowed it to interpenetrate our hearts and our minds. Jesus says, that's not me. You're supposed to be like me. You're supposed to be serving like me. You're supposed to be living like me. I don't walk around in dead clothes. Remember, I left those dead clothes in the tomb I walked out of. When are you going to walk out of the dead clothes of the tomb that you're in right now? Would you bow your heads with me? Almighty Father of God, we come to you right now, Lord Jesus. I feel your holy presence in this place. Father God, I just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you have pricked the hearts of each and every one of us. Even myself, Lord God, today, you have pricked my heart today of something that has been going on in my own life that I didn't even recognize. And even this morning, Lord Jesus, I came to you and asked for salvation. I came to you and asked for forgiveness upon my own situation and my own life so that it can be pruned away from me so that it doesn't hold me back and bind me anymore. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we ask, if there is anyone right now in this room that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you prick their hearts and bring them to a desire of salvation. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if there is anyone here that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, has never accepted him to be your Lord, is struggling with all the things we talked about today of depression and anger and bitterness and maybe sickness and disease, maybe lack of funds and money, whatever it may be, and you're struggling right now with that in your life, but you see that there is a God who is life. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to simply, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, simply raise your hand right where you're at. Right where you're at today, if you do not know Jesus Christ and choose to accept him, Today might be the day for just the saints as well. If this is a day where God has opened your eyes to some things that have been bound, binding you and holding you, 
and you need released of that today, would you just simply raise your hand as no one's looking around? Thank you. Thank you. The simplicity of Jesus Christ and salvation is this. You all can look up. Jesus Christ comes to us this way and he says, you've been walking from me for a long time. You've been doing it your own way for a long time, but here's what God says. I've never left you nor forsaken you. All I need you to do is take one step. I just need you to take one step. And as soon as you open yourself up to the grace and goodness of God, Jesus Christ, who is life, is standing right there to put his arms around you. We're going to sing a song. During that song, I'm going to open the altars or you can pray where you're at for just a moment. But I challenge you this. If there is something dead around you, there is no life. You cannot have life and death in the same place. You're either living or you're dying. Which do you choose?